Hey, everybody. Really fantastic show this morning. We discuss Renga and, of course, it's pump, but not too much time on that. We talk about QQL and the fine art side of the market and how things could potentially play out with QQL. We talk about some of the lower priced entities that have just come out like Kitaro and Ibutsu and Poob's NFT, of all things. And we're joined actually by a guest that I, I definitely respect a whole lot, Metapunk, who's bought into some of the most notable projects in the NFT space. He actually is the first purchase of the GigaChad piece by Beeple on the secondary market. So a little bit of blockchain history there. Overall, it's a fantastic show. We even run a little bit long. One of my favorite shows that I can uh, think of in recent memory. Hope you enjoy it. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. It is Tuesday, October 4th, and you have tuned into the NFT Morning Show. We do this show Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time each and every week, where we discuss all of the stories of the NFT space. We discuss the NFT market, specifically what's going up and what's going down, and everything in between. I'm P.O. here with my co-host, Nifty Nick, the most controversial man in the business, pissing people off off left and right, but entertaining you while he does it. Signal, the classiest and best newsletter writer in the business, in my opinion. I'm biased. She writes the Nifty Daily Digest. Benjamin, absolute digital collectibles OG at this point. Brand new father. Shout out to Baby Jammin, of course. King Kicks, the CEO of Crypto Raiders. Nobody made more money trading NFTs in 2021 that didn't have board apes than King Kicks. He's... <laughs> He's got elite moves. He bought a pimp coat board ape for one ETH and he sold it for one ETH. So could you do that? I don't think you can. He's Suck on that. <laughs> Easy Eats Bodega, the absolute rising star workaholic on the Solana side, the creator of Bodega Buddies coming to a store near you pretty soon on Solana. NFT God, he writes the second dopest newsletter in the whole space, the NFT God newsletter. It's on Substack now. He's writing some robust shit. You got to check it out. And I'm dead serious for real. It's really, really good. Micah G, my guy, still repping that shrimp. Micah G, uh, a very savvy collectibles trader. Depeche Node, my guy, the host of Node Mode, an absolute boss, a rising star in the art world. He's He's got some kick-ass guests coming up on Node Mode, like the founders of Nifty Gateway, like the founder of Goda, like some really talented artists like Kath Samard. Really, really exciting stuff coming up there. And then one of the newest staff members at the Nifty... Of course, the one and only Deep. So we're going to get in the mix. There ain't no sponsor today. It's about to be an hour and 20 minutes of action-packed market discussion. I'm excited. Before I go any further, King Kicks. What's going on this morning, amigo? Uh, feeling great. Uh, I got a spicy attitude today, and I can't wait just to rile up uh, this whole audience and all the speakers on stage. Well, that's pretty crazy. Kicks, I, I woke up this morning. You know what I realized? You and I have been making content as a, as a team in one way or another for a full 18 months at this point. And, uh, you know, I see someone in the crowd. He knows who he is. I'm not going to shout him out by name because he doesn't like attention, but he was involved uh, in making that content too. It's been a full 18 months since we first started making that NFT Web3 content last year. How do you feel about that? People, 
people people don't fully appreciate the Danny Danny PO and I on a three-way call I'm driving down the highway trying to explain to PO how to clear out his nonce because we need to dump these super yetis that revealed and no one is buying the rare ones and we're trying to just absolutely attack the floor you guys uh, could have had two dirty. babies you guys could have had two babies in this time oh yeah <laughs> and we may have and kept it under the you know under the radar who knows <laughs> yeah we definitely did no I do remember that i remember first going through the super yeti and uh and you know yumi and danny just being like "Ooh, that one's like really good like this is gonna pop and then it just hit everybody all at once danny's like i don't think anybody's gonna want these we're like i don't think we're gonna, anyone's gonna want these and uh and and the game was so small then when i looked back at those transactions we were all just selling to each other schwaz who's a who's a pal he sold me one of those super yetis grape dutch who's like a a, a trader from metaverse hq i, I bought a super yeti off him or something like that so absolutely hilarious what a time to, to be alive and hey man i'm glad that uh the 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 guy that created all of the traits art for super yeti is still uh making waves in the nft business of course did the azure band uh traits as well so that that guy's still hanging around art. I love it. <laughs> kicks loves proper nouns <laughs> nick is that how you would pronounce it might as well at this point um no, I mean it's Azurbala. You know, you gotta get it. You gotta get it right, Azurbala, and and you have to say it with a lot of intention there. Also, how dare you say that we have no sponsors? Spindrift, uh, really been <laughs> delivering some excellent uh, quality over the past couple of days. This morning, I uh, had a strawberry lemonade, and it just really, when it hit my lips, my gosh, I realized. It may be uh, uh, raining outside, but I'm feeling bubbly inside, and uh, I'm just so excited about it, you know? Well, Can we also I, note the Super Yeti's floor is uh, .074, so let's not talk too much shit. They've held up pretty well. Yo, holy shit. Uh, I can't believe this is happening, but the man himself, Metapunk, has come on stage. Me and Kix's old friend from early 2021, the first person to buy the GigaChad Beeple piece on the secondary market. That was my intro to Metapunk. He was watching our content, and uh, Beeple had a raffle for that piece. So people got that piece for a dollar. And he was like, yeah, I got the GigaChad. And I was like, oh, awesome. Congratulations, man. You won the raffle? And he's like, no, I bought it on the secondary market for $45,000. I was like, oh, shit. Like, all right. Damn, dude. Um, yo, Danny, haven't talked to you in a long time. What's going on, amigo? Yo, 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 P.O., Mr. Kicks, Captain Kicks, how you guys doing? Miss you both. Dude, I love you. And congratulations on the 18 months, man. That is as good as it gets. Well, thank you, Danny. Hey, Danny, I got a quick question. Who's got a better VR goggles, Punk, you or Nick? Low, low. I mean, even basic knowledge about Punks would answer that question. So, I mean, you don't have to be a sophisticated art collector to know the answer to that question it's it's definitely me next question <laughs> i mean given the fact that nick has really really ugly reddish hair in real life i mean yeah maybe but i have a mohawk in real life <laughs> so i don't know i don't we got 
<laughs> we got some punk beef here. Uh, well, shit, we got Danny on stage. Danny's one of the brightest minds in the NFT collection uh, space. I know you're a big Wolf Game bull, uh, Danny. Me and Kicks have exposure to Wolf Game now, so that's exciting stuff. Um, and I've watched you, you know, invest in collections early and have them pay off. You were early on 10KTF. You were super early on Pixel Vault. Uh, I don't know if you're still involved in that ecosystem, um, but you know, we'll love to to hear from you on the show today uh, for sure. Um, you know, moving moving on, Micah G. You haven't been on the show in a little bit. How you doing? I'm doing all right. I was doing a huge purchase of a uh, real life house, which uh, which costs a lot of Ethereum. Um, but that's over with, so now I can get back to trying to flip uh, cartoon pictures for money. Oh shit! Well, we're we're glad to have you back, uh, Nick. How are you feeling this morning? We know that you you drank a Spindrift with real fruit. Uh, how are you feeling besides that? Besides, you know, basically uh, showing beverage sponsors that if they want to get involved with us, they can. Not great, Pia. Oh, no. Why is that? I mean, I just woke up. It was raining this morning. It was windy. You know, it's difficult. Um, as I sit atop a tower, uh, the wind blows and howls in significant ways. And uh, I, would, I woke up at like 5 a.m. to just the sounds of wind. And uh, however they constructed this building, there's like large metal pieces that just like slam against the window. I'm not quite sure what they were thinking when they did it. I'm actually not. Uh, I'm all good. I was actually working on a follow-up to yesterday's uh, sponsorship package that I announced when with the uh, Spindrift token, and I was piecing together some. I was feeling inspired, um, but I didn't finish uh, a song. I now have two incomplete songs, uh, so it's been quite quite a situation. That's the life of an artist, man. It's like, I can't complete my work. Uh, but no, I, I, I always fucking absolutely love any songs that Nifty Nick does. Uh, Kix has his hand raised. Kix, are you inspired right now? Yeah, super inspired. I just wanted to you know, make sure everybody out there listening in and on stage, make sure you do your part today and buy and sell some NFTs. It's not about making money, but we really want to make sure we get those transactions going so that those secondary fees can really support um, the builders out there. Uh, and OpenSea. And yeah, I know some of these builders, they got 50, 60 million dollars in the bank account, but you got to think how are what what's making them stick around and keep building unless you go out there and you buy and sell uh, some NFTs just back and forth. It's not about making money, okay? It's about supporting the builders uh, in this space, okay? So be a little bit more selfless going forward today and really try to just chop up uh, that transaction volume for for all the great builders out there. If you want to buy and sell our NFT, that'd be great. You can just buy it, dump it, undercut the floor. That'd be really helpful. Thanks. That'd be perfect. Easy. You have your hand raised. What's going on, Amigo? Yeah. So I just went to claim my Spindrift token and it actually drained all of my portals. So Nick, <laughs> I should probably send you an invoice for this because uh, I don't know what happened. Well, well, yeah, that's that's definitely too bad. We'll have to follow up with Nick on it. I think, uh, I don't know. I'm hearing price is only going to go up on this one. So uh, stay tuned for that. I would definitely continue to uh, hold hold on to that. <laughs> well, look, uh, before we get into the weather report, I mean, Kix knows, uh, you know, I have the most respect in the world for Danny. And, and it's not every day that we get him on stage. Danny, could I get like a, a little analysis from you, if you would, on where you know, we're at here in a crypto cycle to give people perspective. I, if I recall correctly, you're a Tesla investor from like 2016. You're a, um, a Bitcoin investor from like 2017. And, uh, you know, when you and me were making content last year, you had just bought into Beeple. It was before, you know, Bored Apes. You bought Bored Apes. You bought CryptoPunks. I'd love to hear, you know, what you think of where we're at in the market cycle. 
Yeah, I, I'd also love to hear from the second best punk on this stage. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, second best punk on stage, what he has to think about the macro environment. Well, I bought Tesla stock yesterday. Um, 10% so, pullback yesterday. Yeah, that was great. That was really great. And since the rest of the market ran up yesterday, I had some stock that jumped 7%. Tesla was down 8%, so that was an easy flip from you know 15% from one stock to the other. But uh, that's just the, the, the fiat that I, I trade with, like short-term, but then I have the long-term stock. Since 2019, I did actually buy some stock in 2016, Pierre, but I sold it like in 2017. So really, I'm a Tesla investor since uh, January 2019, but that really went well. That's actually what allowed me to get into to PFPs. That's when we met also. And I just want to underline again the congratulations on the 18 months and also congratulations all, Nick. I mean, the three of you are a fantastic team. And it's true, I saw P.O. grind it out like I've never seen anybody grind out content. And I know that many in here have heard this before, but it really is true. P.O. kicks... They were doing videos on YouTube and Spaces with six listeners and 12 listeners and three listeners and 28 listeners for many, many, many months. Great content, great interviews. If you go back to the archives, there's some really legit artists and investors and amazing people that made it in the space that were back in the day having, you know, 20, 20 listeners into a, a Spaces. So congrats on the 18 months and Signal. I love your writing. I love your work. And everybody in the Nifty Portal team, you guys are rocking it. Such a great spaces. And the truth is, those who build during the bear market and the low periods and all of that, once everything comes back, they take over the world. So this this Nifty Portal, I mean, it's 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 really magnificent. As for, I mean, I don't know. On one hand, I feel like like, are we at the beginning of one of those bear cycles like we had from 218 to 220 in terms of crypto? So is this going to take like two years for, for us to get out of? That's one thought I have. And then the other thought, I don't know, I just feel like a, uh, an NFT bull run creeping in, no matter what crypto does. It's just the gut feeling I have. I don't have any substance. But I, I can't imagine NFTs going through a, a couple-year bear market. But if we do, it's great. Because the ones that will be around at the time will know the better opportunities when the new bull run begins and FOMO and mass adoption and people just spending crazy money. We'll be prepared. We'll be ready. We'll be astute. We'll know how to make good purchases. We'll know how to wait. We'll know how to sell. So not sure what's going to happen in the macro environment. And then micro, of course, I've got my pet projects, the, one that I'm, the ones that I really understand and think about and analyze and try to belong to the community as much as possible and build around. And I'm bullish on all of them except Pixel Vault. Pixel Vault has been quite a disillusion. I bet, it's a bet, I bet big on six NFT projects back in the day last year, and one of them didn't work out so far, and that's Pixel Vault. I haven't sold anything. So I still have all the Pixel Fold assets, but I'm I'm very concerned about their communication, the CEO, and a couple other things. I wouldn't want to talk much about that. But as for the others, yeah, they did great. So five out of six, oh, that's that's more than I could have wished for. Yeah, that's and pretty so good. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy that uh, you know that I'm still around and having fun. I'm moving a little bit more into the art scene now. 
getting a little bit less PFP exposure and getting a little bit more into the art. I bought a piece by one of the the listeners uh, today, Camila Nogueira. She's down there in the audience. Thank you so much for the beautiful piece. And that's, I guess, a little bit of a summary of what's been going on. We haven't spoken in a long, long time, so... Yeah, well, I hope, uh, you know, we might be able to link up in person. We already talked about that. I won't dox the location, but that'll be fun to, like, go to dinner and, and actually chop it up. man. I will not forgive you. I will not forgive you if you come and leave without us meeting up and hooking up. We've been talking about that for a year and a half. So I'm so pleased. And just let me know the, t the time and the date and the place, and I'll pick you up. We'll meet you there, and we're going to go have a good time. You and with whomever you're coming with. Sounds great, man. And, and real quick, Danny, I, I just want to tell a funny anecdote real quick. So the first big interview that we did when we were making content was Tom Bilyeu. And he noticed a video that me, Danny, and, and Kix made uh, and was really impressed by the way Danny was thinking through things. So we booked Tom. There was like a three-week lead up. I was like, all right, this is like a big name guy. Uh, you, he's got like a million followers on Instagram. He's the co-founder of, um, of you know Quest Nutrition. He founded Impact Theory, which is a podcast that has huge guests. I was like, this is a big spot. We do a full 45 minutes with them. It's like electric. It was like the first time that I really, uh, you know, kind of gained, uh, a, a, I really felt like I could do the interview thing at, at a, in a good way. And uh, you asked Tom at the end something about like, you know, how do you, I don't know, it was like something where he basically said that he believes in himself above everything else, blah, blah, blah. And then you responded, fuck Jesus Christ, shove Buddha up your ass. Uh, you know, Tom's going to tell you what's going on. Uh, and I was, I was uh, just stunned. And then he goes, well, what do you think, Danny? And then then you went off talking about how psychedelic drugs were how you kind of got all the answers in your life. And I was like, yo, what happened here? 45 minutes into the interview. Uh, that was an absolute riot. So thank Show you for a fucking me boot up your ass. Best one liner ever. Dude. <laughs> Nick, you were going to say something. <laughs> this was just a shout out little romance song for these two lovebirds. Just wanna, <laughs> wanna just a uh, little throwback. Just they look so great on the dance floor together, everybody. <laughs> Little toast to these two, Metapunk, PO. <laughs> you know, I've never seen a look like this time, before. Dude, we were just trading better cat. Wow, those were better days, huh? And that's when they that first locked the eyes, and when they saw each other for the first time, and they said, "My God, they were we're gonna we're gonna make magic." They were better days because you weren't around, Nick. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, dang. Hold on, hold on. It's the truth. Bio and I and Kicks were like the best buddies. We're doing all this content. We would laugh and cry and have fun. And then you came. And you took my spot. Really? <laughs> and now you've got a fucking VR punk. So it just makes it obvious. I mean, you're going to... I'm not kidding, by the way. You really need to get over this. I mean... I don't know if you need to shove boot up your ass or what. <laughs> something has to be done. Hey, this is this is a jealous love birds. Shout out again to Metapunk and Po, two former lovers. You know, not all exes and not all exes will smile at their 
current lovers. So, you know, it works. sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Sounds like it was a tough breakup for this one. <laughs> Signal has her hand raised, and then we do have to get to the weather report. Signal, go ahead. No, I'm saying no, Danny. It's, it's 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 so good to see you because I remember watching some of that content that you guys used to do, and I remember there's this one thing that you said, and for some reason I still remember it today. But you were like, you should. And this was when everything wasn't as it is today. But you were like, you should always have an ape, always have a gutter cat, and then you said one more project which I can't remember because I think you you must have sold it. You said you should always hold onto that and i remember at one point you then sold your ape and then felt like very apeless and you're like a man should never be apeless and then you bought back in and then i think you went camping or something listed them what you thought was high and then they all sold but you know what thanks so much for your advice back then because you completely changed some of my uh, trading uh, decisions for the better so really good to see you again I do remember that. Danny went on vacation and listed all of his gutter cats at obscenely high prices, not anticipating that exactly when he went on vacation. He had like he had the like a top 10 rarity gutter cat. He had like the gold tats gutter cats. He we basically thought he was crazy because of how many gutter cats he had. And he listed them all at obscenely high prices before vacation. And then what a surprise or, or just I mean, a complete surprise. He goes on vacation and that's literally the start of the NFT profile picture bull run and everything sells. He comes back way richer than when he left. But uh, I mean, I think those gutter cat sales were at like three, three and a half ETH and they obviously ran to like seven or eight. So that's that's what the NFT uh, game will do to you. Uh, King Kicks, uh, I'd love to hear the weather report uh, and we can kind of get this show on the road. Kickster, go ahead. Yes, yes, yes. Today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, I mean, like, are you like laying on the couch? What's going on? Are He's you being, being fanned, fanned by leaves. Yeah. What happened to that? Hey, cool your jets. Cool your jets. Nick, can you get on mute, please? I am unmuted. Can you mute yourself, please? Uh, uh, that'll require clicking a button. I'll get to that momentarily. Please. Okay. Thank Let's you very go. much. Today is Tuesday, the 4th of October, 2022. Open sea volume cooking yesterday came in at $12.9 million. Highest volume for the past two weeks, thanks to ETH just chopping around on the dance floor. In terms of the leaders, we're not seeing too much action. Apes quietly moved below 80 ETH down to 79. Mutants still hanging out pretty healthily at 15 and a half ETH. Punks just shy of 66 ETH. Moonbirds on the struggle bus going back down to 10 ETH. Doodles quietly moving up. 8.17 ETH, Clone X, still hanging around 6.5 ETH. Over the past 24 hours, if you aren't sick of the word already, I'll say it one more time. Uh, Ranga is leading the open sea ranks. Uh, volume and momentum isn't stopping. Uh, floor price on Ranga broke 3 ETH in boxes over 5 ETH. If you own some of these, you got to think about taking some profits because it's literally been the only trade that made a lot of money in the past month. So if you think you're a genius, you're probably just lucky. Take profits. Kataro World, a low-cost mint, is still in the top projects. Volume was super high over the weekend over influencers like Zeneca bought in. Zeneca was kind enough to hop into the Nifty Discord and share this alpha, I want to say just shy of 0.1 ETH. Um, so that was just a 3X hand delivered to you, but you were too busy. I don't know. Doing something else on Saturday. The team is building an augmented 
reality integrated kids coloring book and holders can license their characters to the product. Oh, wow. Haven't heard of one that before. Uh, storytelling NFTs. Floor on Kataro hit 0.5 ETH before pulling back to 0.2 ETH. You're going to want to get into that right now, especially if you want that kid's coloring book. The one out of one physical and digital piece, Bowie by Ferocious, sold for 96 ETH, $135,000 at auction. So that Damn. was a great auction i'm pretty sure the proceeds went to charity not to the descendants of david bowie so very noble of them to look after others other than themselves uh G name register is in the top ranks uh one of the worst names in the top ranks most people don't know why someone would name it that uh, but they did name it back in 2015, so we'll give them a little bit of grace. This is another historical artifact. Every three or four months, we find the new oldest NFT over time of all time. This one is currently the oldest NFT of all time. Linaji Name Register. The creator of LNR is the infamous and anonymous Ethereum developer, Linaji who is so infamous, I've never heard of him until right now, who also deployed the very smart first smart contract on Ethereum. Now I feel like an idiot because that does sound like a historic developer. Similar to the three and four digit ENS domains, these command the highest premium on LNR. Um, uh, probably going to lose all my money on these, but I bought a couple just to go along for this pump. Uh, Freedmint in A16 VC backed Azra Games is holding momentum after the team teased an upcoming announcement on Wednesday. Project seeing an uptick in volume and price is now at 0.44 ETH. Uh, we surveyed the holders. Literally none of them have played Dungeons and Dragons before in their entire life, but they were all excited to play a digital version of that game. Looking forward to seeing what that announcement looks like tomorrow from Azra Games. Uh, great to see that. Crypto, Bitcoin just shy of 20k. ETH continuing to range in the mid-1300s. Crypto is ranging, which is creating some nice volume opportunities in the NFT space. So thank you very much for that. Back to you in the studio. Absolutely fantastic weather report. As usual, King Kick, some other market updates from the Nifty Daily Digest, which is the newsletter written by Signal five days a week. You can subscribe at thenifty.com. Illuminati Dow re resurrected an early on-chain profile picture call, uh, project called CryptoFace, which predates CryptoPunks. Alex Taub, the co-founder of Goblin Town, said the project will have a set supply and eligible minters are Illuminati 187 and Goblin Town holders. So in line with the historical narrative that Kix was just talking about uh, with that other project. The SEC is charging Kim Kardashian over $1 million for unlawfully touting crypto security on her Instagram page. The entertainment star was paid a quarter million dollars to post about Emacs tokens. That's E-M-A-X the crypto asset security being offered by Ethereum Max. So she got in trouble. Magic Eden has begun the process to refund wallets affected by the DGen Town wallet drain that happened in July 2022. Easy, was that like on the uh, Ethereum launchpad? Is that why they're doing that refund? 
Yeah, so they did a stealth launch for DGen Town, and the issue was that the Twitter, because there was no Discord, and the whole idea behind DGen Town was like it was this degenerate stealth mint that supposedly had a longer roadmap um, that never really came to fruition. And the Twitter was the only source of communication. The Twitter got hacked, and they posted a drainer link for staking that was not real, and a bunch of people connected to it and ended up getting drained. Magic Eden then refunded based at the time of the drain the floor price of the NFTs that were lost, the SPL tokens that were lost, and the Solana balances. So they did a full refund for individuals affected. All right. Well, Matt Geaton stepping up then. Uh, two more news stories. After the transition to proof of stake, staking Ethereum now plays a central role in securing the network. However, some community members believe that the staking process is too difficult. The Ethereum community likes to sugarcoat usability, but it's healthier to just admit this is not for everyone yet. Uh, but I thought that you could stake Ethereum pretty easy just on like Gemini and stuff. So I don't know. Maybe I'm like totally out to lunch on that. Uh, anyway, last but not least, Beeple's Discord was hacked, sending users to a fake Discord where their wallets were compromised. Later, the artist tweeted an honorary piece of digital art dedicated to on-chain sleuth Zach XBT who teased that they're about to drop a huge investigative thread. So we talked about this on the YouTube channel yesterday. Apparently today, Zach XBT is going to drop a thread on Beeple. I don't really know what's going to be in that thread, but it'll definitely be interesting to read, hopefully. Otherwise, this might be a credibility killer for Zach XBT. Those are your updates for the Nifty Daily Digest. Uh, thank you for writing it, Signal. So let's get into it let's here. Let's get into it, P.O. Um, first of all, I just wanted to give just a quick additional update on that Kim Kardashian case. So I'm hearing rumors on my end that the SEC was actually going to fine her twice as much, $2.5 million, uh, and half of it was going to go to victims. Uh, but after some research, they found out literally no one was stupid enough to buy a coin that Kim Kardashian promoted. <laughs> so they only find her half of that 1.25 million. Back to you. Pretty good. Uh, Micah G, you have your hand. Oh, Nick, you unmuted. I got to let the crypto punk uh, be our goggles I spoke speak. to the, turns out that our lawyers also were representing her uh, during that and we're, uh, were interacting with the SEC. So shout out again to... Uh, Spindrift, uh, they're going to be launching their <laughs> token. We don't give a fuck because we got the same legal team as Kim Kardashian, so we're, we're good, you know? Oh, she got a slap on the wrist. That's what we're anticipating. We're going to keep pushing the limits over here. Back to you. The funny part is that the Spindrift thing's a joke, but our lawyers actually did represent uh, Kim Kardashian, so that's actually pretty cool. Signal, you have your hand raised. What's going on? The discourse talking about it, and it keeps being on my Twitter, but Gary V for V Friends has just partnered with Macy's and Toys R Us to have his figurines and plush collectibles in their stores. So that is a little bit of V Friends breaking news there. Mm, v Friends, Gary V uh, stepping up and being in the news. What, what you they're they're going to turn a squiggle on a piece of paper into something? I'm confused. <laughs> no, the toys, the toys, all his characters in the original V Friends collections have been turned into plushies and exclusive like figurines, and they're going to be sold in Macy's and in Toys R Us. Uh, well, there we go. Isn't Toys R Us bankrupt? I thought they were dead. They saved it, man. Come on, man. These nostalgia brands, they can't die. They just end up getting bought and then revamped. Uh, nostalgia brands are huge. I also, found out that uh, Tower Records, apparently, according to uh, uh, Spotty Wi-Fi, is, uh, he has a partnership with them, surprising. Oh, wait, hold on. Shit. Okay, I didn't say that. 
Dude, you're, you're funny, man. Yo, Micah G, <laughs> you got your hand raised. Hey, loose lips sink ships, Nick. Micah G. Well, I haven't been making any money on anything lately, but I have been getting into the game, like gamified NFTs or like game related NFTs. I know I did that stream with Easy and Kicks and kicked the shit out of Easy at uh, Gods Unchained. But um, I, I found another project, like this is kind of an old historical one. Um, and the caveat is I have some of these and I am selling some of them for tax loss harvesting because the floor is 0. 0.015 and I was buying them at 0. 0.2. But uh, I went back in the Discord, it's called Yokai uh, Kingdom Genesis and they were making like a Slay the Spire type card game. And, uh, and I go back on there and that's that minted like a year ago and like they have game assets out, they have like all this stuff that they're about to build out a game. And it just got me thinking, like, going back and looking at, like, historical, but, like, historical actual teams that we funded games for. Um, I think we're getting, we got to be getting close to where they're putting out stuff. And I think, um, Yokai, even if you don't like that specific project, looking on that Discord and seeing what it looks like to be able to tell that the team actually is making progress. I mean, they have, they have so much posted that tells you, like, hey, they are actually completing this, this game. Um, I think that that's like moving forward, we're going to start to see more of those actual things coming out. Um, and so I think those can be interesting investment opportunities. I mean, right now, buying one of their Genesis NFTs is 20 bucks. Um, so if they do manage to pull this off, that's, you know, a decent amount of upside. Uh, the fact that Azra Games, which is trying to do something maybe similar, not much more impressive, is 0.4 tells you that like these old teams people have forgotten about, if they can deliver the game, I don't see how they don't go up from there. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's something to think about. Uh, I also love hearing that you whipped Easy's ass in these games. I mean, Mike, I, I love listening to you because I feel like you are always kind of like on it when it comes to new trends, including Solana stuff. You're one of the only folks that really kind of seamlessly transitioned to Solana. I feel like it's it's the collectibles trading background that you have. You went from Top Shot to Bored Apes to, you know, uh, art NFTs to Solana. So it, it's always good to hear your experience. Node has his hand raised, one of my favorite people, and you were on the show yesterday, Node. We missed you. What's going on, amigo? Yeah, I was busy preparing for my role as a, a whale in the Bodega Buddies ecosystem. That's all you need to know if Ooh. you're going into Seoul. I am, I, screw Ranga. Screw all these projects. I'm going all in on Bodega Buddies. I got my Phantom wallet loaded up with enough Seoul. Uh, I, I want to, let's put easy on the spot here. Give us some alpha. What's coming up next? Like, how long do I have to wait before, when mint? Come on. Yeah, the alpha is the one and only goal is to flip doodles. Whoa. I love it. Whoa. I love it. Good, thing I, good thing I sold my doodle back in the day. So, so step one is minting. So then follow up with that. Yeah. Step well, one is minting. Yeah, you make okay, a good yes. point. But uh, besides that point, that's still the only goal. Okay. I guess I'm not going to get any more deep insight there. I, I did want to share one thing. If you missed QQL... Uh, there is another kind of fun activity you can do, uh, which is Xcopy released a, uh, there's like a little, uh, go, it's, it's, it's for grifters and he, he uh, tweeted out the site and you can customize your own little grifter um, or randomly generate one. Uh, and it's actually really fun. And if you do so, you can enter a competition. And if uh, if he if he if he selects you as one of the top three contestants, you will win a Max Payne. So that one I've been messing around with. I see K Dean in the audience is repping his Grifter right now. Uh, it's a beautiful collection, and you can mess around with that uh, if you so choose, and hopefully win. 
so Node, I got a question for you about QQL. So number one, I'm really still really surprised that you haven't pulled the trigger on a QQL. Um, it, it's it's something that I'm like really really looking at, and so I I think that from a fine art perspective, it's going to be tough to get more bullish on anything long term than QQL because it's got like five different things. It's got like the most notable generative art artist, Tyler Hobbs. It's got this cool interactive new thing that we've never seen before that allows X copy to make a piece in the Tyler Hobbs collection. It's got a deflationary structure because there's a mint pass that has to be redeemed. So you have to think when there's like 170 of these mint passes left that the value is going to be sky high. But then I also think that there will be an opportunity to get in potentially lower than here because I think like um, the part of the market that is short-sighted will say things like the designs are really simple. It isn't even Tyler Hobbs's art. Do you guys realize that? Blah, blah, blah. Um, do, do you like, are you looking at this? Like, I know that you said that you, it's out of the range that you usually like to pay, but isn't this something that maybe deserves an exception? I do like it. I, I've been kind of, I've been trying to be hard and fast on my, my 10 ETH rule because uh, let's be honest, I, I, I could do that just a few times and then I'd run out of ETH completely. So that's my biggest problem. But I do think uh, it's in an interesting spot because if you, if you look at QQL, uh, the, having all these, all these mint passes uh, right now, like it, there is no, there's not a market for, uh, mints that have been like outputs that have been minted right like the the market is basically a liquid if you've actually minted uh, a, a work using the mint pass so it the whole market is just the mint pass which is interesting and it feels like in the in a bull market uh and in the long run there if there will be enough people that really want to have their their like names stamped into the collection right like i mentioned this before like kevin rose obviously has I'm sure I think you mentioned he already has has a couple you know six five two nine Cosmo all these all these guys have uh, a piece that they have several outputs that they've generated and decided to mint, um, but it's interesting because all everything that is actually all the outputs that are generated that people decide to mint they're all going to be kind of unique right and and so there's not really a, a rarity aspect to it i don't know that there ever will be because there can be infinite number of outputs forever right like so if over the next hundred years like that that will always people will always keep creating something and we're going to see even more crazy stuff so from that standpoint i think if you're going to play the game like you really just want to own the mint pass and yeah if it gets down to 10 eth i will probably scoop one Okay. Well, good analysis node. Uh, I can't wait to see what some of these artists, because there's several art blocks artists that have bought into QQL. X copies bought several QQLs. I just can't wait to see what's created there. And I guarantee that each of those events are going to be like, you know, catalysts for at least small pumps on QQL. We'll have to see how it plays out. Um, it's a it, like, I'm pretty inspired by it. And I'm pissed that I just wasn't dialed in enough to, to know to participate in the Dutch auction. I want to hear from someone with a little bit of insight institutional capital behind them spencer ventures spencer what's going on buddy hey pierre how's it going um i was just you know echoing a little bit of what node said with qql is i think it's interesting like, there's only ever it looks like really been maybe i missed a couple that are on their native site but it looks like that i know of two sales of the outputs and i think the question for me is you know with Pedenza, like it, there was two months, as you always like to bring up, you know, where there were zero sales. 
And like, I'm just curious right now, the mint pass feels very liquid, whereas the outputs feel very illiquid. And I don't like, and one of the sales of the outputs was for 10 ETH, which was way below what the mint pass was at any of these given times. Right. And so, and there, there haven't really been offers above 10 ETH on most of them, except for like the first set of outputs, which were probably like more historic. So I think that there's probably some sort of good equilibrium, call it, where like there will be very few outputs until the price paid for outputs goes up. Um, but I don't know that people like truly value this collection of outputs as art above the mint pass as long as the mint passes still exist. So there's this just like weird dynamic of once you've minted it, it loses a lot of its value. And I hope that people will start to assign value especially to there's some really aesthetic there's some nice ones but i feel like people rather than buying an aesthetic or nice output that someone else has already crafted will just try and make more of their own outputs and so like how valuable is the fact that you get royalties on secondary for yours maybe now we might at some point reach a point where like there's not that many output or there is a lot like most of the mint passes have been minted and then like it's appreciated for a collection on its own, but we're, I don't think we're at that point yet where like people really care about the outputs and it's kind of a weird dynamic to watch play out. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're only like a weekend, right? Or we're not even a weekend. Something like that. Yeah. But you would have expected there'd be more than two sales of the minted ones, right? Yeah. No, I mean, fair. Uh, it's, it's new. It's three total sales. Um, one for a hundred, one for 10, one for six. The one for 100 was by Dandelion, so he is one of the, the co-creators. Yeah. That one doesn't really count. Ooh, but the there's one- a sixteenth one? Yeah. I think, I think no. that, that one, there was some drama. That, that piece got stolen, uh, uh, and then it got go. bought back at, at cost somehow. So I don't know how that all played out, but it okay. got stolen. Uh, and, and, the, and the other piece one. is from the competition winner. So one of the competition winners sold their piece. So you've got Dandelion's purchase, the stolen piece, and then one of the competition winners. But I yeah. think as well, just going off the back of what Spencer was saying, is, is that we're seeing this collection's value price to co- discovery happening in real time. So in the same way that you would see, you know, price action on Renga happening very, very quickly, with a collection like this, it's just much, much slower. And I think that's extremely smart because almost the value of the collection sits with Tyler Hobbs and and Dandelion Wisp and what they go on to do next because if they as artists keep pushing the frontier of generative art all of their art will appreciate and this one is just an outlier in the way it's been composed so I think anyone who's holding these passes just needs to know this is very much a long-term hold and I do think a lot of the value will be dependent on what Hobbs and Wisp do in the future. Totally. And I saw the uh, CEO of Shopify has a Fidenza in his uh, living room. So that made me feel more bullish on my QQL play. Um, Spencer, I think your point was uh, very strong. But if you look at OpenSea, like the floor, there's one for 16.5, right? That's and what I was going to point out. Yeah, yeah. And it's 25.33. It's not like there's like 10 of these at 12 ETH. You know what I mean? And no one's like, buying them at like a discount there really hasn't been there isn't really like much of a discount versus like the mint pass um themselves but i do think that if the mint passes continue to appreciate then that probably drives demand on uh on revealed pieces that are at a a cheaper floor price potentially 
Yeah. And I mean, when I think about it, the first thing I was going to bring up is exactly what Kix just brought up, which is the cheapest QQL listed on OpenSea right now is at 16.5. The next cheapest one is listed at 25. And there's, uh, it looks like about 97 total listings. Oh, no, excuse me, 23 total listings on 97 total items. And, you know, you have to think also that the collector base that's in this collection is different than the collector base that's in a traditional collectibles collection. And actually, I think it is kind of um, a decent idea to compare this one to Ranga in the sense that you got Ranga, which is almost like the fine art top of a profile picture collection. And then you have this, which is the fine art top of a generative art collection that actually has some really cool and innovative mechanics. Um, so I, I just think that the collector base here is trying to see where this goes. If people are going to trade it, they're going to trade the mint pass because at this point in the NFT market, we know that the, the mint pass, you know, the burnable asset, you look at Renga, there's another comparison. Renga's black box is at like five ETH. Um, the value is going to accrue to the mint pass, but that doesn't mean that value is not going to accrue to the original collection. I don't think that there's ever a situation where the original collection fit, flips the mint pass, but I also don't think that that's a problem. Or I mean, look, the X copy pieces in the original collection will flip the mint pass. The Grant Young pieces in the original collection will flip the mint pass, but like your floor on the mint pass, I mean, your floor on the collection won't flip the floor on the mint pass. Um, I I want to hear from NFT God, then hear back from Spencer. NFT God, what's going on, Amigo? Yeah, I mean, so much of art is about the narrative, right? Like, there's really nice pieces of art that are not worth anything because the narrative isn't interesting. And that narrative can be who makes it, how it's made, where they were when they made it, what inspired the art. And unless I totally misunderstand what QQL is, these pieces of art are made by people who bought the pass, who played around with the algorithm and made some sort of output. So it's not really made by Tyler Hobbs. Like he made the algorithm or his tech team or whatever made it. So I just pointed out, real quick, well, yes, and I just pointed out that will be one of the narratives that's presented as FUD, but is, in my opinion, actually a positive catalyst. So you just brought up the thing that I brought up before that I anticipate to be brought up as like a negative on the collection, but I think in reality, long-term is actually a positive. I mean, it reminds me of 10KTF a bit, which is, you know, for me, I'm buying more art lately. I look at 10KTF, I, I, I was never really interested because I just don't want to buy a backpack with someone else's PFP on it. I mean, I look at QQL, Part of me doesn't want to buy one because I know it's not made by Tyler Hobbs. It was designed by some random person who spent a ton of money on a pass. And, you know, so the, the, the mint pass is interesting because it's liquid and because there's that narrative like, oh, this can turn into something beautiful. But for me, I, the narrative around the art itself, knowing that it, it was made by someone else, that kind of, just as a normal, you know, person who's not super deep into art, to me, that kind of turns me off because I want something handmade by a famous artist. That narrative is just more attractive to me. Yeah, like I said, I anticipate that to be brought up as a negative for sure. Uh, Signal has her hand raised. What's going on? I think it's really interesting the way you're thinking, NFT God, because um, people are looking at the art saying that it's made by somebody else. But what's not being taken into consideration is the code is the art. And I know you come from a coding background and can appreciate that there is beautiful code. There's what I like to call like sexy code. You just look at code, you're like, oh my God, that is just so beautifully put together. And I think not appreciating that 
the code is art is a big part of the narrative, which perhaps if you don't take it into account, you could be losing out on a premium, which will be definitely appreciated by the market in the future. And right now, people might not see code as art, but it is. And I think as the as generative art continues and people start to understand that there is actually value there. Um, and like there's value in the code and there's value in the co-creation of the person who was playing around with the with the front end the, the the like the entire collection will go up in value but my point here I'm just trying to make is that code is art and Tyler Hobbs and Dandelion Whist will eventually be appreciated for what they've done in this collection no I, I think that's a great point I, I took it from kind of a layman's perspective right like what I would think if I'm and I think most people right now in web 3 are taking it from a layman's perspective so you know maybe the, the narrative has to shift where code becomes art and people really appreciate that and honestly I believe that that probably is the future because I'm in the tech industry and and that's just I, I just deal with that all day so you know, I think it's a really good point just from a layman's perspective. I don't know if anytime soon that narrative is going to be a mainstream narrative, but I do see where you're coming from, Signal. I want to throw to Spencer. I think he's semi-rugged. Spencer, are you able to hear me? Are you able yeah, to? Yeah, I can hear you. I'm good. Cool. I, the only person I can't hear is Signal. <laughs> just a random but, singular rug. Okay. Yeah, I'm just, you know. Anyway, um, I, I wanted to respond to something that, P.O., you said about price because I think that it's important to define what price is. And price exists somewhere between the best offer and the floor price, right? So floor price is not the price because nothing's transacting at the price, right? So for something to be priced, it needs to have transactions at that amount. And so I disagree that the mint passes and QQL are close in price because the highest offer on mint passes is 15.15. The highest offer on QQL is 10.3. So even though their floor prices are similar, because nothing is transacting at floor, floor, floor price on the QQL outputs, that's not actually price. And I would say probably like if you if you were actually motivated to sell a QQL output, my guess is price on QQL output is somewhere around 12 ETH. Whereas if you actually wanted to sell a mint pass, it's probably somewhere around 17 and a half ETH. And that's a that's like a 50% difference almost um, in like what actually price is. So I think it's important like to define what price is because I, I see a lot of people getting this wrong pretty consistently that like price discovery happens between best offer and floor price. And you don't know what actual price is unless there's consistent transactions and volume. And when you don't know, you have to guess it's just somewhere in that range. And I think a lot of the best OTC traders are people who are able to identify like how to price things that are difficult to price and where within those types of ranges they're going to be able to buy and make deals go down. I think it's a great way to think about it. And yeah, it's you have to be sober when you analyze price because a lot of people are like, oh, the, there's the, like, you know, the floor is X, Y, Z. But then you look and there haven't been any sales at that floor price in, you know, you know, 96 hours. And the last sale was actually five Ethereum less than the floor price or something like that. And you see that on some of these more illiquid, smaller collection, fine art pieces. Easy has his hand raised. What's going on, Easy? Yeah, so Zach XBT just dropped his investigative thread right now. Um, I, I saw it, and and it's it's underwhelming. In the I sense was just going to say this is the most underwhelming thing I've ever read. I thought we were going to get some drama around Beeple, and it turns out it's just the same Beeple. Beeple. You missed the punchline, though. Beeple was the one who shit, stole Nick, the can money. I finish. He stole the money. <laughs> Easy. Maybe you should buy a punk so you can talk over him, dude. The punk privilege is just glaring today. Oh my god. 
But uh, <laughs> no, yeah, the Zach XPT situation just basically said it was the same people who had hacked the other various Twitters through SIM swapping. Uh, yeah, it's just this is terribly underwhelming. I was hoping for some drama this morning and we didn't get it. Yeah, or, the investigation are the people that are at fault for the Beeple hack, not Beeple himself. And well, it, I, just it, love, yeah. I just love that these guys are smart enough to like know how to hack in these Twitters and steal a bunch of money, but they don't have a basic understanding of how Tornado Cash works. So they just like might as well not even use Tornado Cash because their fund transfers are just completely traceable. Um, like for anyone that like doesn't know, like if you send a hundred ETH into Tornado and then you pull it out to another wallet ten minutes later. Uh, you're like completely traceable, right? The whole thing is that you need to let time go by so that all of the money going in tornadoes is like kind of camouflaged and then you slowly pull your money out. But if you just throw 100 ETH into tornado and you're like, oh man, I got a new wallet. Let me pull out the 100 ETH. Everybody, your mom, the FBI, the SEC, fucking Zach DC, whatever his fucking name is, can all see exactly what you're doing. Um, well, that, that's a helpful tutorial on how to defraud people. We're going to dive into more details on that, but easy missed the punchline of this. It was Beeple is all three of those people. <laughs> and so you just, that's one thing. That's actually what Beeple stands for. It's actually three um, people, Beeple, th three people. Yeah, exactly. It's just a misspelling. Um, and those are the three people. So he's been setting this up for a long time. He was like, you know what? I need to get a little more cash here and I'm going to go steal uh, you know, a, a million dollars. <laughs> yeah, that's what he needed after the $69 million sale. Look, I let somebody on stage that's never been on the show before uh, that requested to speak early on. Big.eth, that's a pretty good ENS. If you do own that, uh, you're at Big's Trading. It says that you're a trader, investor, crypto, and NFT collector. What's going on, Big.eth? Mm-hmm. Oh, you can emoji. He's you got to click unmute. So there's an unmute button there as kicks. Uh, I understand after make it it's challenging for me to actually click the mute button. Maybe his um, fingers, maybe like he's just so giant that his fingers can't easily hit the, the button part. Yeah. So clearly he still can't figure it out. Um, well, get the hell off the stage, big daddy. <laughs> okay. Don't come around here Sh no more. Shillin, Shillin villain would have done a sound effect and absolutely dunked on him. I mean, um, you know, Nick, when you see the increased volume in the NFT market, you know, you're somebody that has a lot of experience in markets. You've done quite well since you've gotten into the NFT and crypto space. You were doing well in stock trading before that, including with options. What do you make of the current state of affairs with NFTs? What are you thinking about? Uh, well, I haven't been trading, to be completely honest, because I haven't had time to. I, was, I do look at the charts, though, and it's been like remarkably boring for almost like two weeks in terms of the range that we've been trading with ETH. Um, so I'm waiting to see uh, what happens next. Right now, we're actually, uh, it seems like we've turned around in a more positive direction, breaking above, um, sorry, excuse me, uh, breaking above the 1320 uh, level. Uh, so who knows? Maybe we go on a little run here up to 1429. Nice little run up there would be uh, absolutely um, beautiful. Um, but other than that, for the past, what is it, like nearly two weeks, we've just been like, th there's been nothing. We've been ranging in between uh, 1250 and 1368. So just sitting in that range. And that's created some, some pretty robust pumps in the NFT and, space. Yeah, it's been helpful. If you look at the chart of uh, OpenSea's uh, ETH volume, 
we have seen uh, a daily increase during that time, just steady increasing. So the the hypothesis that when ETH is flat, um, then NFTs get to uh, go up, it does seem to be uh, accurate. In fact, on an ETH basis, we've had the highest volume um, since uh, September 16th. So that was the last time we hit this level. And then there was one other time, uh, September 8th. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's decent volume. Um, it's actually nice to see uh, the, the ETH uh, running, or sorry, the NFTs running at this point in time. But really, I feel like the majority of that action has really been concentrated within Renga um, over the past week. Uh, there is also this whole Kataro thing going on, which is another, uh, you know, 2,000 of ETH worth of volume. Um, but I think that uh, Renga is where the majority of that activity has been with 13,000 of ETH of volume. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, um, it's uh, interesting to see. I've not been super active and instead... Uh, I sold my Rengas at basement uh, bargain prices uh, <laughs> to someone who ended up uh, making a little uh, gain on it. All of my FUD also triggered D Farmer to unfollow me. Uh, <laughs> shout out to him. Uh, he he was like, "I'm tired of your engagement farming." Uh, is is what he told me yesterday. So there we go. Um, e so even much at did you respond e back? Same. <laughs> even uh, at the yeah. um, <laughs> even at the highest level, you know, I consider D Farmer like you know the highest level of like NFT investing, or or at least up there. Uh, even at the highest level, if you say negative things about people's personal financial investment, there's basically no way to piss them off more. Uh, I've just I've been seeing it for a year and a half. It never fails. Even at the highest level, guys will just get so mad if you say something negative about their investments. Go ahead, Nick. Well, he said engagement farming gets tiring. I said, man, the ships, it's time to increase the attacks. We're going <laughs> on the offensive, baby. Um, I, how about instead he says, you're welcome. You know, <laughs> like I feel like I've only been contributing to this pump. The more that I FUD, the higher the price goes. So maybe I'll stop talking about it, you know? <laughs> if you say, hey, no, if you stop fudding it, the price is going to go down. So that's, don't do that. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> Nick's like the NFT Jim Cramer. <laughs> I, I love that comparison, uh, except I think Nick is legit way more knowledgeable than Jim Cramer um, in all seriousness, like way more technical. But I just love the idea of like the big, robust character calling things and, and flooding things and blah, blah, blah. You know, what, what do you think, Nick? I mean, I don't know. I, I you know, I used to look up to Jim Cramer. I, I ended up on his show once. And uh, did you got, actually? Yeah, I did. But then it got you were cut. literally on Jim Cramer's show. You can just dial in. Um, so, oh. so, so I dialed in to be on the show. I got cut off, uh, and I don't remember why. And he was like, Nick, are you there? Nick. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And I got disconnected. But, uh, anywho, he, he's, uh, entertaining and that's all that he is. Yeah. Well, I, I've also, uh, it's been interesting when you FUD Renga to see the people that try to come on stage to like defend Renga and they come on stage and they literally say, it's a great project, it's a great project. And then me and Kix are like, we've had Renga for weeks, we own Renga right now, but tell us like actual analysis and they just like don't say anything. Then they say uh, that they don't like the show when Nick FUDs Renga, but they like the show when we bring up positive things about Renga. So gotta it's, love people that are in the NFT community. They have a, a, a you know, a grip. 
on content. I mean, sorry, go ahead, Nick. It is the new Azuki. I theoretically, it might as well just go to 10 ETH if that's where we're headed with this. The um, art is better than Azuki, and I've been saying it's basically the best PFP art. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it's a fine art PFP that works really well. Well, that's that's what I think of it. Well, I appreciate that. Um, here we are sitting at 3.09 ETH. So we'll see what happens uh, and whether or not this goes up to 10 ETH or ends up at the level where I bought into Goblin Town. I mean, we've seen it before. So why not? Why not get up to $11,000 uh, average sale price? I think it's way more legit than Goblin Town on the back of the art. Uh, Micah G, you have your hand raised. What's going on? Well, I just wanted to carry on the, the negative vibes and talk about a project that's grinding my gears right now, see if anyone <laughs> has input on it. Uh, so Metropolis World, which uh, we, you know, I think, I think we had on last week. Well, they're or a former, they're yeah. a sponsor. Yeah, yeah. So I, I loved their website. I got super into it and I, you know, I invested in like some of the more expensive ones. And, and the general concept, right, is it's a raffle and then you can get one of the properties if you win the raffle. Um, so that seemed cool. So I bought some of these things. And, uh, and I guess the thing is like, they put out the pricing for the properties and the pricing for like one of the, some of the nicest properties is, uh, is 1.75 Ethereum if you win the raffle. You have the right to, to purchase it for that. So I guess, I guess what I'm torn about is like, I love the website and I love the concept, but like, does it seem entirely fair to like sell raffle tickets? But then also if you win the raffle, the pricing is set as if it's like the main cost of it. I don't know. Like I'm, I'm torn because I haven't sold them. I don't have them posted yet. I still like the concept. Um, but I'm just a little worried about that. Like in this bear market, is that like a danger that, that the pricing just seems to be set in a way that like, all of the risk is kind of going on to the buyers. So I don't know. That's that's the project for today that I'm worried about. Should I be selling these before the raffle happens? Um, because if I win the raffle, then you're basically on the hook for for 1.75 Ethereum. Um, so best case scenario, you're you're basically diving into the project more. So that's that's coming up on the sixth. So that's my big. Uh, like worry for today is what to do with that project. <laughs> the mic is big worry. Time will tell. We'll see. So we brought up valued member of the portal community of the nifty community, uh, winners, talented artist, uh, the artist that actually made the five foot tall full, you know, like canvas painting, uh, of Nick's ape that you see on our YouTube streams. What's going on winners? GM, DM. Um, I shouldn't have actually chopped onions before I got up on the stage because now um, I'm crying a little bit, but I'm also crying um, like happy tears over my profits. Um, unlike, <laughs> <laughs> unlike what, I mean, y'all haven't been participating. I'm making like filet profit. I mean, some of them are like local diner, uh, <laughs> you know, filets profits, but um, I made uh, profits on Nate Hill's Tez drop and then like Ruth Chris filet profits on, um, let's see, poops. Poops were like cool. But what I really, what I raised my hand to come up here is um, the Tamadoge. The meme coin is just like absolutely popping off. Ben in the coin traders um, 
<laughs> channel in, in the portal discord was giving me some really sound logical advice, <laughs> but um, also an, just a true gambler at heart. And um, now I can buy fillets for the whole audience though. So that's like super hype. But I was just seeing if any of y'all had jumped on the Tama Doge uh, train. So you bought a Tamad an altcoin Tamadoge that somebody in the coin traders section of our Discord Ben who's who's one of, he's a full-time crypto trader he posts a lot of charts in there there's rules to that channel you have to post a chart otherwise they, you won't be taken seriously in there and so you, you bought in and it, it pumped and you sold it is that what happened Witters So I haven't I'd sold what I put in um so I've I've like profited I mean we're we're looking there's a lot of zeros um more than i'm used to more than one zero that i'm used to to making so um i'm just gonna write it apparently the 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 meme coin is doing like a metaverse kind of play associated with it i really don't know it was just like something that i saw trending and i jumped on it um a Wait, couple where did, days ago where did you hear about it um, I was on a space, and then I saw it trendings whenever I looked it up. Was the space run by the Tamatoes? <laughs> <laughs> it was. And- <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> okay. So, so, so uh, uh, the, it's the new shitcoin approach to marketing. We just, we're, we're going to host the space. Here's our uh, shitcoin, ladies and here's, gentlemen. Here's the shitcoin. Uh Wow, that's hilarious. Um, okay, yeah, damn it, damn Doge, the shit coin. So, so what? How? What's your profit right now on this one? Uh, four K. Damn, four thousand dollars. Fuck take, yeah! Take the money. Oh yeah, you got to take the money. I mean, on a I, shit coin. I mean, it could go more. I, I, that's, I, could go more. I'm could go less. Famous last words. <laughs> I mean, look. It, look at yeah, this get chart. The hell out. Get the hell out. Witters, this isn't like a a p like a one of one thousand piece by Tyler Hobbs, like a, a future incredibly important artist, like globally. This isn't like you know one of the top PFPs in the NFT space by a well known artist, Dirty Robot. It's a random shit coin. And and a uh, little life lesson from uh, our own experience: when the when the chart goes straight vertical which is uh, what you're looking at today, basically, is a straight <laughs> vertical line. <laughs> it's a decent time to sell. Generally, generally, that's the right time to sell. I'm just yeah. sliding. <laughs> Another piece of advice there, too, is at the moment that you're willing to take a screenshot or share it on a spaces, it's probably the point to sell. I love that, Ben. <laughs> that's the best. When you're texting your friends a screenshot of the asset that you bought because it's just a piss missile to the upside, that's when you have to sell it. Yeah, I remember when we when we did that with ApeCoin and Kix was like, that's the biggest green candle I've ever seen in my life. It's probably a good time to sell. And everybody was like, no, buy more. <laughs> that's with with staking NFT projects, you're just waiting for somebody to post a uh, a Twitter post saying, in a year, I'll have $48 million from staking my creeps. And that's the moment you sell. Oh, big time. Yeah, I, I remember there was a viral creeps thread and that was like definitely the Pico top. Had to be. <laughs> Has so, to be. So, what what's your target price on this Tamadoge Twitters? The moon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wait, well, what, yeah, I, I'm just wondering at what point would you be like, "Wow, this"? How much did you put in? I put in uh, seven hundred dollars. So um, seven hundred dollars. You took out seven hundred dollars, and you have four thousand dollars that's sitting there. All right. Free take money. Take out but- half. 
Twitter's take out half, ride the rest, put some towards taxes, put some towards uh, savings, and then go get a nice dinner. In the, dis- in the Discord, Leafs just posted a picture of the chart. It's it's like the biggest green candle you've ever seen, followed by the three biggest red candles you've ever seen, then a creep up I th- to, to, I think to that like a chart- purse missile. I think that chart is inaccurate because if you look at coin market cap, that's the one that you should use. Um, it goes back uh, a little further, unless maybe that was um, just a launch. You know, at the beginning, you know, you get a little bit of volatility. But this chart, when I did see it, I, I thought, wow, maybe this thing goes up to 40 cents or something like that. And uh, Witters gets to double her money once again, and she's at $8,000. So uh, there is a possibility of this going going down. This is... I mean, th- this is a ludicrous thing, but next time tip us off when you're uh, checking these, <laughs> seeing these faces, because if this is the way that these pump and dumps happen, then uh, I'm, I'm interested in uh, tagging along. We got to get in early, make that 4,000 bucks. That's a lot of dog food for Sapphire, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, shout out to Danny for uh, tw- yeah. pinning for pinning Witter's uh, piece of, you know, Nick's punk, or excuse me, Nick's what? ape that she painted. Uh, and Witter's congratulations on getting more commissions. Nick, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, when uh, people ask uh, what your what your dog's eating there, Pia, you can just say, yo, she's eating that Tamadoche. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, she's eating real well. Okay. <laughs> She's eating real well. Well, look, speaking of coin trading and speaking of technical analysis, I let Bouvet on stage and Bouvet uh, watches the Ethereum technicals closely. Bouvet, have you been, I'm, I'm assuming you've been paying attention. What are your thoughts uh, from a technical perspective on where we're at? Maybe Nick can weigh in as well. Oh, thank you. Yeah, every day I'm looking at the charts. Last time Nick sold at a pretty good level. So Right now, we're waiting for a weekly candle close. It's going to close in five days and 10 hours. So uh, this candle needs to close above this uh, 1300 area because we saw this as a ceiling in 2018 in January. Uh, We saw this as a floor support zone in 2021 February. So uh, this uh, weekly candle that's closing in five days, if it closes above this uh, area, we might see a little bit bull run but if it closes below this area then the next support level is seen at 1126 so that's where my the charts might be heading at so you and, and so you're saying that the low could be 1126 and the high would be what uh the high right now Infinity. is forming a triangle <laughs> pattern so the triangle hit at uh, 2k and then at 1700 so going below that it'll be at like 1500 so if it goes up to there, then the triangle pattern is sitting the top of that. So if it breaks out from that, it's going to go higher than that to the... It's the moon. 2K. There's a triangle no, no. pattern to the moon. No, no, 2K level first. There's a very strong resistance uh, at the 2K pattern that it hit in August 15th and fell back down. So it needs to break out of that zone to go to that above 2K to the moon levels. All righty. Well, some technical analysis from Bouvet. We'll have to see, uh, you know, the way that that plays out. Uh, I want to throw to NFT God. I always love hearing from NFT God. Um, you know, when you look at this market, NFT God, are you in a position where you deploy capital? Are you in a position where you're being conservative? You mentioned that you're getting more into art. What kind of like art side of the market are you looking at? I'd love to know how NFT God is thinking about the NFT market right now. I'm being super conservative. So 
I've just been picking up art that I, I really, really like. And, but, but most of my money is not being spent. I mean, back in, you know, a few months ago, I was uh, aggressively just entering any position that seemed remotely interesting. So over the last three months, I've probably made like three moves total. Um, last week I picked up a Grant Yoon, one of his editions. It, it's Ooh. like his cheap. Yeah. It's like his, uh, I think it was called uh, a day in Japan or something. And it, I, I, it's like his cheapest piece of work. And I believe his art's really going to pick up in, in the NFT space. I think it's just made for NFTs. It just looks great as an NFT. And so my bet is like, this is like the floor piece by him. And if his value goes up, the floor of these will go up with it. So it's kind of my, I'm just like looking to pick up like floor art NFTs that I, I'm really liking. I think will be the future of the space. That's a good one. That's at 1.85 Ethereum. Looks like one literally just sold. So make it uh, 1.87, $2,500 floor. Grant Young, you know, uh, I think you can pull some inspiration from Hockney and Hopper when you look at his stuff and he kind of does like a digital take on it. It is real. It, it, like I like the way he does shapes and I think that you could print this and it would look absolutely fantastic with a really nice print. You're going to print that and throw it on your wall, NFT God? Yeah, I, I, my, my thesis is that his art, Just I think it looks great on your monitor. It looks great as a print. It looks great if digital frame uh, picture frames become a thing. Um, so I'm looking for art that looks really good like that. And because, you know, I think a lot of things are moving markets these last couple months is things like ApeCoin staking or airdrops. And I just don't believe long-term any of that will be successful. And so I'd rather pick up art, which... There's no roadmap necessary. There's no token drop necessary. And I guess I exposed uh, my, my low art IQ earlier with my QQL take, but I, I just want things that look good. So I just make it up floor pieces by artists I think are uh, creating really cool NFT art. It's not a low IQ art take. It's it's a brand new technological innovation that's intertwined with technology, crypto, and art and creates a community-supported, interactive, you know, like collaborative experience. So it's just kind of hard to understand. And by the way, your take might be right and me and Signal are wrong. Uh, so I always want to make sure that that's pointed out. Uh, I love the Grant Yun buy right there. And uh, I'm looking at his website right now, just trying to see if I could, uh, you know, get my hands on like a print or something just to get in the mix and then maybe buy an NFT. I mean, Node knows the thing or two about Grant. Uh, Node, you have your hand raised. What's going on? Yeah, I was going to try not to say this, but I, I, you know, I even tweeted this out that I wouldn't say this, but I have to bring up memories of Chilin just one more time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but this is, this is why. So, so, uh, you know, I, I had kind of a similar thesis to NFT God. I'm like, look, I just buy what I really, really like. And I think that collection looks good no matter where you put it. Uh, and so about a, about a month ago, I mean, I remember saying on the show, like, for, for about three weeks, all I was doing was putting in offers on on like three different collections. And uh, I, because I felt like the prices were pretty good, but I was I was just too stingy. And I kept I, I was a little bit too lowball on all of them. And only one was accepted. Uh, luckily, it was on the Memories of Chilin. It was a Memories of Chilin piece. Um, but I, I got it for 3.2 ETH. And that was like, I think it was three weeks ago. And all this, I just looked at the floor today and it's 6.6. So, you know, having a little bit of conviction in, in, in collections that you really, really love uh, definitely helps. And I, I just regret not buying more uh, when the price was, you know, more reasonable and not being a little more aggressive in my offers. So I'm going to take that lesson. And if it does dip again, I'm scooping more of those, you know, and looking at looking at Meridian is that's like a stable coin. It's sitting at 80. 
And then I was looking at uh, anti-cyclones as well. Those were around six ETH uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And now the floor is eight ETH. So uh, I do think like some of these top tier, you know, pieces that people really like, they're, they're, they're just, they're very, very stable. Yeah. So no, just to, and real quick, NFT, yeah. I'll throw to you in a second. Uh, just with the art blocks, the thing that's been rattling around in my mind is, first of all, the art blocks curated are the OG generative art collections. And as long as the traditional art world adopts generative art, which, by the way, if even if that happens 15 years from now, that's totally normal. When we had Dandelion on Node Mode, he was discussing how Monet wasn't accepted by the gatekeepers of the traditional art world at the time that he was, you know, most prolific. And it took time for him to become obviously Monet and now everybody's heard of him. He's one of the biggest names in the traditional art world, obviously. Um, the thing I like about the traditional art blocks is like, you get that, you get the generative art component um, that, you know, is like the sort of OG thing for crypto art. And if it becomes important and led by people like Tyler Hobbs, you have to think value will accrue to them. But I also like the fact that they're not moving. A lot of them are not moving. Like Memories of Chi Lin, for example, is just a static image, which someone that looks at surface level, again, this is in line with what I talked about with QQL when I was saying that people may perceive QQL to be negative because it isn't technically Tyler Hobbs's hand creating every individual piece, even though we created the algorithm, um, it could be perceived as a negative, but it's actually a positive. I think that people saying, well, you, what if people are doing prints or canvas reproductions of the curated art blocks, then what's the point of them being digital? I think that that's another thing that'll be misunderstood because humans like looking at canvas reproductions of paintings or really high resolution prints and you don't need to see these things on a digital screen. I'm not trying to take away from digital art that's moving, but I wouldn't even be surprised if uh, generative art grail pieces become the highest value because you can put them on a canvas, because you can do a print and have a really nice framed print on the wall of a museum or in your home. And that's actually not a bad thing because the art was created in a digitally native way. And the true unique ownership is that NFT asset. It's not that physical print. So I, I think that that's actually something that could be perceived as negative, but is actually a positive. And uh, yeah, sorry, uh, I spoke over, I think, NFT God. Uh, were you about to contribute? Yeah, I was going to ask Noah a question. Uh, I asked this question to, to Kevin Rose when he was on here, because I, I, the perspective, at least when it comes to art, my perspective is from a person who got into NFTs for PFPs and interesting tech projects. And now that I think the market's in a place where those are not going to thrive as much for a while, I, I'm diving more into the art side. And I think that's a perspective that probably a, a, I would just hazard a guess a majority of the people in this audience is taking as well. So would you have like a quick recommendation for, for not artists to look into, but how to discover artists to look into? Like what's that research process start as if you're someone like me or someone like, I, I guess, a lot of people in the audience who are just moving from PFPs and, and tech projects or Ponzi schemes to, uh, you know, more of the fine art side? How do you even begin to enter that world? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think DC answered it best on the show, like uh, whenever that was a couple months ago, it was the, the highlight of my life, really. Uh, but he, he, he mentioned like uh, a few things that he looks at um, it, when it comes to looking at, looking at, looking at art. I mean, the, the obvious one is just loving it. So if you, if you want to just get dip your toes and not spend a ton of money, just go over to Tezos, right, and, and play over there and, and buy amazing art. Uh, and, and, but if you're, if you're kind of interested in saying, okay, what, what, what kind of, uh, might hold its value or, or, 
obviously, you know, shoot up to the moon over time. Uh, you look at a variety of factors, uh, you know, obviously you got to like it. And, and then uh, number two is who else is collecting? And it, it sounds dumb, but like, that's how it works. You know, like who else is, who else views this as, uh, you know, a pristine piece of work? And it, that's, there's a lot of parallels there to the traditional art world uh, with how that works. Like somebody kind of needs to bless an artist. Uh, whether that's a big time collector or a big art dealer or whatever. Uh, and then is there is is there an actual story behind, you know, why this why this set should matter from a historical kind of perspective? Um, and, and so, it, you know, in a lot of ways, it's, it's it's sort of similar to any NFT when you think about, you know, who is looking at who's buying it, who really likes it. Uh, and and is there a reason that that this is historically significant? Um, and, and really, there's only when it comes to timing, like, you know, OK, the first of something, OK, that might hold some kind of premium. But a lot of times it's like, you know, when you look at uh, uh, like Fidenzas, for example, and, and Ringers, like those 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 were not the first. Right. They, they weren't at all. But I think ringers do an amazing job of kind of explaining what generative art is in such a simple way. And if you put a bunch of them together, they look absolutely gorgeous. And there was enough, you know, like when I look at it, I'm like, I could see this piece in MoMA, right? Or I could see this, I could see some of this uh, in You in will a, see in it museum. in MoMA. You will What's see that? it in museums. You will. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think, I mean, I think it already has been displayed in certain areas. So uh, just, yeah, just some of the, those are some of my thoughts. Yeah, and uh, so I want to throw. I mean, Danny, you raised your hand during that. Danny, was there something you want to weigh in on there as someone that is the first purchase of GigaChat on the blockchain on the secondary? Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm moving into art now. Actually, this all started with art. Remember that PO and, and yeah, we and got wrecked. <laughs> yeah, on Nifty and. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, the, I'll say a couple of things. The, the cliche one is really, really important to me, which the piece has to really speak to me and stand out. And, and I really have to have a gut feeling that if for some reason NFTs wouldn't make it, if this was all one big rug pull, some fad, would I really, like, would I be proud of owning that piece? Even, you know, like the art, the artist, uh, the way it spoke to me, etc. And I know this is cliche. We say the same thing about PFPs. But with art, it is really kind of different because, yeah, these pieces, you know, there's so much more in them than just a couple of eyes and a nose, etc. The other thing to look at uh, is how the price history of the artist has behaved. So did they start minting at, let's say, one ETH and then ETH went down or ETH went up. So they started minting at 0.5 ETH. So any artist that has undercut their collectors from an ETH price sales point is definitely... A uh, tail for caution. A third thing that I, uh, I'm doing is once a, a piece has spoken to me and the artist and all of that, I'll definitely uh, get um, feedback from different kinds of friends, some friends in the NFT world, in the art world, but also just regular friends that look at it and say, wow, or they look at it and they say like, eh, what? like if I show a, like if I show um, a broad ape, right? Or if I show a, a cool cat or something, most of my friends are going to look at me like I'm an idiot. They say, but it's a cartoon animal. I don't, what do you mean art? And I'll have to like kind of explain the whole PFP thing. But when it comes to art, that shouldn't really be needed. The piece should uh, speak for itself. And finally, what I've been doing, uh, and it's just working out for me, is I try and get as many suggestions of artists as possible, especially from people that know what they're talking about. And I've just, I've just followed all these artists. 
Uh, Pio knows that I'm very cautious about the amount of people that I follow. So it's not normal for me to start following 30 people in one day. But I did that a, a week or two ago, and I just started following, I'd say about 30, 40 different artists that were recommended to me for different, for different reasons. And then I've just been unfollowing, basically. Either it's because somebody tweets too much, or they tweet bullshit, or I don't know, I just don't like their art, or whatever it might be. But I'm just following them as people and as artists, and I'm slowly unfollowing. And there's going to be three or four of these people that I or artists that I really appreciate also as uh, uh, following on Twitter. Um, because if I'm going to, like Beeple, right? I'm a, I, I have a couple of Beeples, so obviously I follow Beeple. But the, the truth is I have a lot of pleasure following Beeple. All of his tweets, you know, all of his art. I like his sense of humor. I really think he's an intelligent person. I watch all of his interviews, listen to his podcasts. So since I'm so intrigued by the human and by the pieces, it's easy for me to follow their career, follow their strategy, pay attention. But if their Twitter feed is like, in, for me, like maybe overwhelming, like some artists will tweet literally every half an hour and that's just too much for me. I don't want to follow that person, even if the art is great, etc., uh, etc. Et uh, one final thought, what I've, uh, what, this is something I've been doing for quite a while. Now I'm actually transferring ETH from PFPs into art, just a little bit, not just slowly. I'm not doing anything crazy. But, um, but something that really made all the difference to me was interviewing the artists before. So I found that the vast majority are extremely open to questions. They actually get surprised. Often I'll be told by an artist, wow, usually uh, collectors don't ask me so many things. So usually DMing an artist and just asking a bunch of questions is usually very well received. And they're very courteous and it's a great conversation. And I ask a million questions. I ask about all different kinds of topics and different things, but also, you know, technical stuff like about the art, but also about them and about their, what they're looking to do with the rest of their lives, uh, etc. And that interviewing process, which once again, I'll repeat, has, has been quite easy and people are, you can get access to these artists because they really do want to find quality collectors. That interview process most of the time tells me if it's a yes or a no uh, immediately from the interview. Once in a while, I'll be able to buy a piece without having to even interview the person or another person like I did with Beeple or like I did with Camila. Uh, but uh, usually, you know, this is more or less the way I'm doing things, but I'm no expert. And if anybody would like to get like really expert advice, like really, really good advice, there's two people I would suggest to follow. That's Kenshiro. So at Kenshiro NFT, this, this is a serious art OG and really knows what he's doing. And then there's Shrimto. So that would be at SCH. I don't know. I don't know how to spell it, but Shrimto, like schmuck, but Shrimto. These are two individuals. These are two individuals that are totally into the PFP and art scene. I'll say that again. So these are these are individuals that have punks and ape and and you know cool cats, and they're very very strong in the PFP market. They know what they're doing, but then they're extremely strong in the art market, and they have found a way to connect both. Uh, you know, the wisdom that we can, like, if you listen to this, this show, Nifty Portal, the amount of wisdom and knowledge and skill and expertise in the PFP arena is outstanding. I mean, maybe second to none. This is one of the best shows to listen in if you're trying to understand the PFP market and strategy and all of that, trading or long term. And uh, they are, they excel at this, both of them. And then they also have like two, each of them have a, a collection, which is just I'll never have a collection like theirs. It's one of the best art collections out there. Both of them have their own. 
So these are two people that I would follow or listen to. The Shrimto organizes the spaces every now and then, connecting collectors and artists. And uh, yeah, that's a little bit of my thoughts on this. But for sure, the, the first thing, the cliche thing, does the piece really speak to you? Like, for example, the other day, I was suggested to get a piece by an artist and he's OG and he's going to grow and can Shiro and Shrimto both have a piece and they're like, this, you have to have this in your collection. Yeah, and I look, I look at the pieces and I don't get it. It just doesn't, mm. th there's something that doesn't move inside of me. And it's kind of like, okay, the rational part says do it, but I have this emotional part that I'm linked to the NFT. But that's me and each of us have to figure out our, their own way, but just a few tips. And definitely for all those that only have PFP exposure, like if you have 100% in PFP, I would say arguably it's time to get 2% or 5% of that into a little bit of art that you can appreciate, have on the wall, maybe give to your kids one day, whatever it might be. Well, great, uh, great perspective, Dan. Really appreciate you sharing that. Micah G has his hand raised. Running a little bit long today. We're going to yep. throw him. Yeah, I don't know. Micah. It's quick. I'll, I'll be quick. Um, as you can tell by my PFP, I'm a bit of an art expert, uh, art connoisseur. <laughs> and uh, I'm hearing a lot about historical NFTs, and I'm hearing a lot about art NFTs. And this is maybe going to be controversial, but are we getting close to the time where it makes sense to put bids onto curio cards? I know they look like shit, but like art to me just means there's no utility. It just sits around. Um, and I remember these things trading at five Ethereum. Some of this stuff is like 0.3 Ethereum now. Are we getting close to that time again? Because I feel like that sort of stuff gets recovered. Of course, Danny thinks no, but I just like... <laughs> It's it's tough, Mike. It's tough to say whether they'll be able to pull that rabbit out of the hat again. Um, in terms of like saying these historical NFTs have value, I I understand. I mean, look, let's put it this way: if that happens, then it's a good uh, likelihood that rare Pepe's have another run. And I think everybody knows I have a bunch of rare Pepe's and I would sell them if there was a run or I'd sell a, a, a decent amount of them if there was a run. Um, so there's, there's different stuff to think about with that, like sort of historical narrative. Um, real quick, I got to throw to the one and only Mr. Long fan favorite. I told him that he'd let, that I'd let him uh, close out the show today with his discord roundup. So he's a valued community member of the nifty discord. Uh, and he always has, a, a solid roundup written for us. So go ahead, uh, Mr. Long, take it away. Well, Metapunk noted the world-class wisdom on this stage. That's kind of you, Mr. Punk. We appreciate that. And guess what? I'll close us out with the Discord round. Uh, well, Nifty Nick, we're men of determination, right? But you ever been on, the, on a search party looking for a lost calf? And you're three days in on horseback and you just have to say, forget about it. I'm sure the wolves got her by now. Let's turn back. I am chafing. Nick, you know about that chafing? I definitely know about a three day hunt for my lost calf. What about the chafe? Yeah, of course. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's powder for that though. So I avoided that. That's one of our upcoming sponsors though. He kind of uh, front ran me on that one. <laughs> My apologies, Nick. Loose lips again. I'm taking after you. But that uh, that search party is a story of Renga, ain't it? My chaps are chafed. We've been chasing this dadgum <laughs> project, and it either got away, heading for green pastures, or the predators are closing in. We'll see what happens. But in the meantime, I'm going to need some, uh, some Vaseline. Speaking of ointments, let's give a shout-out to Mr. Wizard in the Discord. He's in there conjuring gains like he's Harry Potter, though I suspect he's using a dark art called Research 
Groovy T <laughs> is in there. Groovy T is in there keeping the peace. Maybe it's the tie-dye headband. Maybe it's the red eyes. But something tells me he's going to love Ben Jammin's new project. You know what I mean? Speaking of projects, let me mention my favorites from the Discord. The newest storytelling NFT. Kix mentioned it. It's Kitaro, which looks like the Cheshire Cat, huh? From Alice in Pump and Dump Land. And guess what? The pump chapter was yesterday because we are back down. Next is Poops. You heard Witters mention it. If you read their Medium article, you'll know why these are the next blue chip. One word, me, me. Yep, these characters offer one single utility. They're relying on holders to create memes to pump their own bags. Looking at the art, and given they ain't too interested in marketing, this seems familiar, don't it? Cough, cough, doodles, cough, cough. Ebootsu has some ape rewards for an upcoming game, but why earn that when you can meme your pube? This one is ripping, though, and the Discord was on it yesterday. On that note, if you're listening and don't own a portal, go get one. Don't be a dang freeloader. Pay these guys so Pio can afford two entrees a night and carbo loads to bring you this fire. And this ain't no cow chip campfire. When you add Nick, Kicks, and the rest of the gang, we got ourselves a bonfire. Then mix in the rattling discord and some nitric acid, and we got ourselves some nifty portal TNT. T, just in time, because the Union Pacific of Web3 Media is heading west. Let's lay down the rails and blast through this FUD with die no ma kaboom <laughs> What a Discord roundup from Mr. Long. Uh, one little thing I wanted to add there is uh, don't buy it to not be a freeloader. Buy it because it's the Bodega Buddies Mint Pass. It's, you're going to burn it for our NFT, and it's literally the most slept-on NFT out there. You can ask Spencer, who has over 100 of them now. Swolf Chan just bought in. Swolf Chan's on stage. Thanks for buying in, buddy. You excited? I don't know what I bought into, by the way. I, I love <laughs> you guys, and I love the morning show. But like this nifty portal thing, like I don't actually understand it. Can you give me like a download of like maybe we'll DM you the information, but oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. because uh, we prefer not telling people the alpha that's behind the curtain. The whole point it's a curiosity uh, pitch, right? You wait, go, can I, can you I screenshot the DMs and send it out on Twitter? Of course you can. Uh, yeah, oh, but cool. doesn't matter. We're not going to tell you anything. <laughs> and 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 so yeah. Uh, if you're interested and you're a listener and you haven't bought a portal, what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to buy one so you can see what's behind the curtain. We're not telling you what's behind the curtain. <laughs> uh, Bro, the Discord's big. Yeah, of course it's big. I can tell you the alpha. It's pretty easy. Basically, the team is celebrating 18 months of creating content in the NFT, in the NFT world. And this is the team that even if the NFT bear market takes two, three, four, five years, they'll be around, they'll be creating content, they'll be entertaining, they'll keep the space alive, they'll be doing everything that the ones who leave are not doing, they'll be doing it, and they'll be doing it every day at, what is it, uh, 2 p.m. East, no, 2, uh, 9 a.m., I don't know what time the show is, <laughs> and the YouTube, and the newsletters, and the Discord, and if you can find anybody in the space right now that's creating as much content with this much quality, with this much entertainment value, and with a smile on their face and positive vibe, then, you know, that's all we need to know. The, 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 everything that needed to be done has been done. And now we just have, we have to wait for the future to unfold. 
this show, if it keeps on going this way, we'll have 10,000 listeners and then 100,000 listeners, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the alpha. It's, it's pretty easy. Swolfchain, you bought an NFT without doing any research, so you're going to fit right in. You're going to fit right in. Uh, oh, I've always Jeff- fit right in. I've always fit like like perfectly in like, I'm like the next piece of that puzzle that you've been looking for. We're, we're, we were looking for you, man. Uh, shout out to Danny for that that little pitch on our NFT. Uh, our NFT gets you access to Easy Eats Bodega's Bodega Buddies NFT that's dropping on Solana. We've already seen some notable Solana folks uh, take interest in that. I posted at the beginning of September that I don't want to hear that I didn't tell you to buy it. So I just don't want to hear that I didn't tell you to buy it. Ethereum PFP coming out, pushing 2 million views on YouTube, over 100,000 views a month on TikTok, quarter million podcast views. Uh, we're not stopping. We're getting into sports content. How we're big is sp- that, Pia? We're going to sponsor a skateboarder. I'll see you later, ladies and gentlemen. 